Hello friends, my name is Patrick Little and welcome to A Little History, the show that looks at human history eh, a little differently. I'm an ancient history major and an all-round historical nerd. I love telling stories, talking shit and cracking beers. Join us for season two as we continue on with our mythology apology. Nothing is off limits as we continue our exploration of some of the famous and not so famous stories from various mythologies and folklore from around the world. Stories that seek to explain the world around us, warnings against messing with the higher powers, or sometimes for the sheer entertainment. Sometimes I'll have a guest coming in cold, and sometimes it's just you and me. So kick back, drink them if you got them, and join us as we discuss the glorious mess that is our history. With the little shit talking and silly sound effects as well. Magic. Magic. I'm sharing my office with a baby. You know what? What I've already been through. Yeah, right, I'll probably just do that. And he kicks you in the wall. That's out of order. I'm no detective, but I think they've actually had us on. Yeah. How did we get to a shirt shitting on people? I know she's probably got a magic vagina or something, which keeps you distracted, but. We're copping it over here, Dad. <laughs> it's not doing <laughs> shit for us. <laughs> I'm going to make a little frog do different times. But unfortunately, Gina Davis isn't rocking any of those skills. <laughs> no. <laughs> she's, she's killed pretty soon. Now, are you looking to shift the cat's allegiance? Go for good grand hand. Put the bags away. We're not going anywhere now. <laughs> you think in one of those 20 heads, you'd have a freaking good idea. <laughs> no. I mean, they've got parties with boxes, people eating semen. This is just a riot. They said I was mad. They said I was mad when I did that. <laughs> but I showed them. Who's mad now? <laughs> now kill him and take his foot. I'm a walking zombie burner. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Little History Podcast. Uh, great to have you back as we get stuck into another story from uh, myth and folklore. And uh, we have a very special episode for you today as we are revisiting the fantastic world of mythical Japan. Japan. Uh, after the fantastic response to the Shuten Doji episodes from season one, uh, we couldn't not do another one. Uh, but to be honest, though, I was always going to tell this story because it is just so much fun. Uh, but that's not the only special thing about this episode. Hardly. We have a new guest on the show, and I'm humbled to have him with us. Uh, the wonderful Elliot Gates, host of the Anthology of Heroes podcast. How you going, mate? Yeah, good day, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. <laughs> oh, good to have you, man. Absolutely. I want to say, at the time of recording, I just uh, finished listening to your episode on Paleo of Asturias and uh, that gothic last stand in Spain. Look, mate, very, very cool episode. And I love the way the stories, um, the narrative is sort of branching over centuries. Like, very cool, man. Oh, yeah. Thanks very much, actually. That was my first kind of multi-parter where we're doing, you know, an overarching theme with, you know, the Reconquista, but um, spanned across different centuries, like you said. So that's been one of my favorites to record. So um, I got a lot of got a lot of hits from like northern Spain there. Everyone's like, thanks for covering. It's always good when people are kind of, thanks for covering our kind of obscure folk hero. So that was one of my favorites. Yeah. Exactly, like it's such an such an important part or period in Spanish and also European history, which I didn't really know anything about. I sort of like the Reconquista was just a bit. Um, I sort of glazed over in history or glossed over in history, uh, at least with with my studies. So, yeah, hearing it or getting some sort of a window into it was uh, was very very cool, man. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I had the same thing. I always knew it was kind of like Isabella and Ferdinand reconquer Spain in, for Christianity. Boom, that was the end of it. But it goes a lot deeper than that. It goes back and forth. And there's a lot of really interesting, bizarre characters there. And history just repeats itself a couple of times when um, Arab invaders come from Morocco, take back, push back the Christians, do it again, do it again. It's, um, yeah, it's virtually the same story repeated three times um, yeah. over different peoples. <laughs> So yeah, no, it's a good one. <laughs> it's it's weird how like when the uh, uh, when the Christians usually with those things as well, it's like the Jewish community are just getting fucked over heavy when the Christians come in. That's like yeah. you know what, this is probably your fault, guys. You're like, what? What are you talking about? Um, yeah, they definitely copy yeah. the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know. At the end of my um, El Cid episode, there's um, <laughs> this stupid story that I thought I had to include. You'll like it a bit of mythology, but like um. So El Cid, you know, this hero of the Reconquista, he's been dead for like 40 years. They've got a skeleton on some like throne and some intruder who happens to be Jewish comes in to like pluck one of his like sacred beard hairs as like a talisman. <laughs> and like as he goes to grab it, this dead like skeleton like goes to like pull his sword out of his scabbard and the Jewish guy's like, oh shit. And he's so scared, he converts to Christianity. I'm like, yeah, of course he is. Yeah. Right, oh, makes God. sense. <laughs> yeah, well, shit. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I'm really loving the show. Um, uh, seriously, like you're, you're one on Admiral, Admiral uh, Yisun Sin. Uh, obviously, Skanderberg, Skanderberg being the, the original, the OG for you. Um, Khalid ibn al-Walid, the sword of Allah. Fuck, man. That, that guy was a boss and like you don't hear about you yeah. don't hear about figures like that it was um at least coming out of the arab world it was always just not nah, up nah, there the enemy or you know you got Suleiman the magnificent having a crack at europe and then oh not quite uh but man yeah really really cool and uh, i'm uh, anyone who knows me knows i've got a bit of a i'm a bit of a sucker for uh, for good roman stories so uh yeah your aurelian one was uh, was a really good <laughs> terrible pun but uh, here <laughs> <Ba-dum>. we go. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, I, I've no, got to say, I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've got to say, my next uh, checkout is going to be a Wayne uh, Glindweir. Is that it? The last Prince of Wales, Glindor, uh, Glindor, Glindor, Glindor. Because I, I don't know nothing about Welsh history, and I feel like I've, I've got to rectify that. So that, that'll be my next little jump in. Yeah, yeah. I um, I actually learnt about him while I was in North Wales. Oh, that's what made it so. That was. That one holds a bit of a special place in my heart because I was learning about it and seeing his flag, especially in Northern Wales, is still there in some like windows. So you'll be driving through some little lane and you'll see his red and um, yellow checkered flag and stuff like that. There's like little references to him all scattered throughout. It was I, I thought that was a really interesting one to learn about. Um, yeah, no, that was that was one of my favorites to be honest. Some nice. really kind of uh, sneak up on you as being. Oh, you know, I'm not too sure if there's much here. And then once you, as you'd know, once you start digging, you're like, oh, this is actually really interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're just like, oh, I've got to, I've got to delve deeper into this. Yeah, hundred percent. But uh, yeah, there's tons more to listen uh, for you guys and gals out there if you're keen. Uh, links to anthology of heroes will be in this episode's description. Uh, so hit it up and have a great time. It's going to be friggin' awesome. Do it. And that's a little history podcast recommendation. So, uh, if you're ready now, Elliot, we can jump into d- today's story. If you want to go to Japan with me. Yeah, mate, let's do it. 100%. Beautiful. So, the story of Ame Wakahiko. The tale of Ame Wakahiko. Or more accurately, his wife. The tale of the wife 
of Ame Wakahiko. Is a very well-known story in uh, Japanese and Chinese mythology, partly. Uh, we're going to discuss the Japanese version, though, today, um, which has been adapted from an early, uh, earlier Chinese uh, story from about the 8th century. Uh, where uh, Ame Wakahiko, or sometimes referred to as the Heavenly Young Prince. Uh, he appears in a few tales um, on this one, a little bit different um, from some ones that you guys may have heard out there, but please get in touch with us via the DM on Instagram or our Facebook page, or hit us up at the A Little History Podcast at Gmail. Uh, let us know which story you guys have heard. But... Uh, for this story, I'm going to be going from the works of Noriko T. Reader. So some might know he's the same fella who I researched the Shuten Doji episode. Um, but also the uh, a comparative work by uh, Saito Masako, who he, he compares the earlier written text known as the Kojiki, around about the eighth, early 8th century um, CE. Uh, and then uh, he compares it with a medieval illustrated scroll, uh, which is uh, often called the Heavenly Young Prince, and that dates to about the 1400s. Um, and the cool thing, uh, which kind of ships in the night for me, uh, one of these those scrolls um, uh, is actually on uh, display in the Museum of Asian Art in Dalim. I think it's Dalim. I think I'm pronouncing it right. In uh, Berlin, the Berlin State Museums. And uh, I missed out being able to hit that up when I was there. But if anyone has been there and they've seen it, let me know because I want to. I'd love to know what they thought about it. But uh, yeah, uh, first reminder everyone to pump that uh, like and subscribe button wherever you're listening. Uh, keep us tracking and let us know. Uh, yeah, just let us know what you're up to. <laughs> so with that, let's get into it. Uh, so our story begins with a nameless peasant woman washing her clothes on the banks of a swift river. Uh, obviously, she has no name. She's got no name. Uh, these aren't her clothes she's washing, by the way, though. Uh, they belong to her master, a rich landowner man, who also has no name. He's got no name. It's got to be uh, yeah, a lot of people without names in these stories, Elliot. So... Uh, That'd be good time. Yeah, I can see a theme already. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so this peasant woman is washing her clothes of a rich landowner master uh, when she is confronted by a gigantic snake bearing a letter in its mouth, like a rolled-up scroll. Special delivery. Uh, and the serpent, as you do, uh, the serpent rears up its head and spits the letter at the foot of the, oh, sorry, at the feet of the peasant woman. And it hisses, bring this to your master. And then the serpent fucks back off to do sort of snake stuff. And uh, yeah, so what you do at the washing washing, washing place, that's cool. Uh, and the peasant woman Standard obviously... Stand at the office. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, the peasant woman, obviously taken uh, a little bit aback by this, uh, drops what she's doing and hightails it back to her master's estate and delivers the snake letter with trembling hands. Uh, curious, the nameless rich landowner opens the letter and reads it in the presence of his wife and their three daughters, who, you guessed it, they all have no names. No one has names. <sighs> uh, it, and it reads as thus. So I'm going from the medieval scroll uh, comparison for this one, and it goes, I want your three daughters. If you do not give them to me, I'll kill you and your wife. Build a grand mansion on the banks of the pond, which is in the estate, uh, with a width of 17 feet. Although such a house, or such a big house, is too small even for me. That's the end of the quote. So, strange yet serious demand by this gigantic snake. 
wouldn't you say? Yeah, like, um, you know, snakes are well known to get to the point. They don't really use the flowery language. They just get straight to it, you know. He's not Very messing direct. around. He's going to tell you what he thinks. Very direct. <laughs> it's a bit odd. Uh, it's a snake comes out blazing, demanding three daughters. Uh, then he's ordering that he builds a mansion, uh, have, have, be built, have a mansion built for him. Uh, and then we'll probably, though, although he'll probably complain that the mansion's not big enough for him. So, like, <laughs> what a ridiculous thing. A very strange request. Yeah, he started off kind of, uh, he just seemed to lose his train of thought there, right? It's like, <laughs> give me some daughters, and while you're there, I'll have the house too. <laughs> and it won't be big enough, but I'll take it anyway. <laughs> uh, it's, like, it's like saying, mate, I need you to give me a pair of nine shoes, a size nine shoes for me, uh, but I'm a size 11, so they probably won't fit. You're like, what a dick. <laughs> what a dick snake. <laughs> And back to the story. Uh, but um, anyways, uh, upon reading the snake's bizarre demands, uh, the rich landowner is obviously freaking out. I mean, who wouldn't if, uh, you know, they had a gigantic snake uh, on their doorstep demanding their kids and some random construction be done and this gigantic snake's going to wreck your shit if they don't. Uh, and they've got nothing to do now, the, the couple, except complain about the situation. Oh, this snake's been really unreasonable. And uh, needless to say, our wealthy landowner's on the, on the back foot a bit. Uh, he loves his three daughters, and he doesn't want any harm to befall them. But what is he to do? Uh, it's at this point that the two eldest daughters speak up, and they're like, Fuck that, Mum and Dad. There's no way we're going to do that. Oh, we would rather die than go with this snake, even if it wrecks our family. We'd rather have that happen than go off with that serpentine bastard. Or pretty much like something of that accord. They're like, nah. Don't want any part of that whatsoever. So, you know, no help from these two daughters. I can kind of see that. I mean, they're going to they're gonna get killed whether they go with him or not. So I'd be holding out as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's now that the third daughter, who happens to be the, the parent's favourite, uh, speaks up and says, uh, quote, If I do not go, then you, my parents, will be killed by the snake. I do not care what happens to me. The worst thing for me is that my parents be killed by the snake. End quote. So, not a whole lot of depth uh, with her, <laughs> with her speech. That's uh, quite quite poignant. Yes, yes. Um, so you can see why she's the favourite as well. Like, clearly, mm. my parents mm. are the most important thing going around, uh, and they shouldn't be killed by the snake. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> the wealthy landowner and his wife are crying and all. They're a bit, you know, distraught. But they decided to let their favourite daughter go to an unknown fortune with a monstrous snake. Great idea, mom and dad. So, parents of the year right there. I mean, what can you really say about that? If, if she's got to go, she's got to go, right? <laughs> she's the favourite, so she's got to go. Uh, two elder sisters have, um, they said fuck no to that. Uh, youngest one's like, hells yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's get this going. Uh, and so now they've got a willing participant, the wealthy landowner sets out to fulfill the other demands of the snake uh, and builds a large house, uh, that will probably be too small for the snake, uh, on the banks of the pond uh, to the specifications uh, laid out, presumably laid out in the, uh, the snake letter. Snake letter. Uh, and after the mansion is completed, uh, the worst parents around said their tearful farewells to their favourite daughter uh, and left her on the banks of the pond all alone as the sun began to set. Goodbye, darling. We're terrible. No chill from the parents, is it? It's just like, oh, you, you want to go, do you? Oh, that's fine. All right, well, uh, all the best. Uh, <laughs> maybe see you later. <laughs> Won't even see you off. Make sure make sure you get there safe. Or you get picked up safe. Like, nah, fuck <laughs> off. Just stand by the pond for a bit. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as dusk gave way to night, a deep night, wind began to blow. Rain fell from the sky and the waters of the pond rippled. 
And then suddenly, waves surged in the pond and the nameless favourite daughter was shitting herself at the thought that she would surely die. Uh, and she would be well within her rights to think that. Because uh, as uh, from these waves appears a monstrous snake. More than 17 feet long. And it reels up before her. And the snake says, quote, Do not fear me. If you have a sword, slit the skin in my head with it. End quote. So, interesting first words. Right, yeah, I mean, um, alright. I'm, I'm curious to see where this will go, alright. He's with it, yeah. She's like, what the... And, and why would he be thinking she's carrying a sword? But anyway, but, you know, it doesn't matter because to, um, <laughs> to the surprise of no one, this girl was pretty afraid. Uh, not only from the 17-foot-long snake standing before her, but also because she had no sword. Uh, she did, however, have a pair of nail clippers, though. Um, so probably not like the uh, like the clamp-style nail clippers that we think of these days. Probably more like scissor clipper things. Um, but yeah, or, or like just like a small knife to kind of whittle away at the nail. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, she's, she's pretty chuffed. She's got these clippers and uh, the young frightened girl takes them and easily slits the skin from the snake uh, from the head downwards. And uh, she's like, what the hell's going on? She'll be on? there for a while. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> it seems like this is kind of a fetish thing. I don't really like where this is going already, to be honest. Yeah, the snake's just, just breathing heavily as it's happening. He's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> just further, further. She's like, what? Oh, nothing, nothing. Just just keep going. Nothing, keep going. <laughs> um, and from, these, uh, from this slit steps out a beautiful and splendidly dressed young man. I am the beautiful and splendidly dressed young man. Right, I did not see that coming. I got, I got to give you that. Neither did she. Uh, <laughs> but uh, our favourite daughter liked the look of this bloke, uh, and uh, the two clothed themselves in the skin of the snake, and both went into a beautifully made Chinese-style chest. My beautiful uh, Chinese chest. Uh, stay with me here. Which it lay uh, inside the, the the recently built mansion, and they spent the night there, uh, no doubt having a bit of sexy time. Um, so when I say yeah, big, just a big Chinese chest, like a big like proper size, like cabinet wardrobe thing. And so they're right. like, yep, we need to wrap ourselves up in this skin and, um, and get at it. And uh, so from this point, uh, these two are considered married, to which she's pretty happy. Oh, I'm fine with this, by the way. Just like that, I guess the snake is the, uh, what's it, the sur- not the surrogate, the priest or something in this case, is it just... Uh... He's like, that's it, we're married. It was a lot easier in feudal Japan, wasn't it? Oh, you know, yeah, it was just simple. If people just run around, has anyone got some snake skin we need to wrap ourselves up in and, and a box? <laughs> just get us in that. An old Chinese box, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But one thing I uh, I should mention though uh, is a bit of a, a bit of a what would you say? Uh, I don't know. By the by the by the book sort of thing. Uh, from the snake slash splendidly dressed man's letter, he stated that he wanted the wealthy landowner's daughters, as in all of them. Uh, so the snake rocks up to take what is. You know what he's demanded. Only finds one of them there. Um, you'd think he'd be pretty shirty if he's like, "Mate, I'm going to kill you if I don't get them daughters." But uh, you know, the favorite daughter's done the trick, and uh, he's he's not really uh, interested in the other two bitches. So he's fine, fine with that one. Besides, they were a bit snotty anyway. So hmm, they were never really on board, to be honest. Yeah, he probably feels he dodged a bullet anyway. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and anyway, the two uh, uh, presumably jump out of the box uh, and they live together in the mansion for some time. You know, the mansion that was built on the threat of death, uh, where they joined of in course. love. <laughs> in love. They're, they're pretty happy with each other. Um, don't worry about 
any of that other stuff that's the, that brought the snake to that situation. Um, they're, they're pretty chill. Uh, and they had a ton of maids and servants, uh, which seemed to spring out of nowhere, it seems, uh, and lived in opulence. Um, could be the snake bloke just had... A t- he just fleeced the uh, wealthy landowner for all his coin. Um, uh, but we don't really know. We don't really hear too much about what happens with the fam uh, from this point, pretty much. Um, except for one day. <laughs> the former snake speaks to his wife and he says, this is the uh, splendidly dressed beautiful man, uh, quote, uh, he's, coming out, he's coming out of the gates hot with this one. He goes, I am originally the dragon prince. Dragon prince. Occasionally, I have to go back to the sky. Uh, this time, it will take a day or two. After seven days, I will come back. But if I don't come back, uh, then wait for 14 nights. Uh, if I do not come back in two weeks, then wait 21 days. If I do not come, then know that I will not return for a long time. End quote. See, so like, fuck me, mate. Speaking riddles a bit more. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting that they're like, they're getting out their fingers like, wait, 21, uh, two, no, wait, yeah. it's coming back on the fifth. Uh, hang on. <laughs> I'd be lost halfway through. What, what, what month is it? How many days? <laughs> uh, so when he, uh, now when um, we say the the heavenly young, or the dragon prince, kind of like the heavenly young prince, pretty, pretty, pretty big dude. But we'll talk about that a little bit further on. We'll get to that later. Uh, but after hearing uh, all this, his loving wife asks what she can do then, as in meaning in the event that her husband doesn't return after the, how many days do we say? Uh, a very long time. <laughs> know that after a very long time, if he doesn't return, uh, 21 days, I believe it is, they're looking for that. Uh, well, she goes, what can I do? And her husband replies, uh, there is a woman who lives in the western part of the capital city, as in presumably Kyoto at this time. Uh, this woman has a magic gourd. Magic, magic gourd. As in like a, like, a, like a seed which like um, grows like vine. Okay. Uh, gourd's pretty cool. From this grow, uh, this gourd, it grows in one night uh, all the way to the sky, and it is suitably named the One Night Gourd. One Night Gourd. Uh, it's going to be tough to get this gourd though, because uh, this woman, she's yeah, she's pretty cluey, uh, but definitely give it a go because this gourd has the power to grow up to the heavens. Um, by climbing this gourd, you can effectively climb up to the heavens. Uh, and now, when you're up there, ask anyone you see uh, where the residents of Ame Wakahiko is. Ame Wakahiko. That's me, by the way. Uh, I go by other names as well. Uh, oh, and, and also, uh, don't <laughs> ever open Prince. that. <laughs> yeah, he's just tossing him out there. He's like, oh, I'm the Dragon Prince. Oh, I'm Ame Wakahiko as well. Oh, I'm the Heavenly Young Prince as well. I'm oozing names. Uh, but also, whatever you do, don't open that Chinese chest that we spent our uh, spent our first lovey uh, sexy time night in. Because uh, if you do, I won't be able to ever come back. Uh, all right, see ya. And uh, he he chills off for for a bit and um, and takes off into the sky, leaving his loving wife to live in the lavish mansion and await his return. So yeah, so a bit a bit of stuff there to drop. So he's he's going to the heavens and uh, he'll be back in a bit. And she's got to find a seed from a lady in the capital and climb a climb a, a beanstalk pretty much to get up to heavens and uh, and find him if she needs to. Yeah, I'm calling it now. I wouldn't be opening that uh, that chest anyway. This couple's just spent their first married night in there. He's like, you know what? Just don't look in there. It's just, it's a real mess. You just don't want to start poking around. He's yeah. like, yeah, got it. And you assume from this story, she's a pretty uh, pure girl. Like you didn't think she'd been around. Like mm. you, you didn't think she's Jenny from the block or anything like that. Like she's probably a no. pretty good girl. And uh, you know, you have you have a dip once. You'll have a few times. You've got to air it out. Like it's it's gonna be pretty pretty stanky in there. 
Um, but it's, yeah. a, it's a good thing you mentioned the box uh, because uh, soon after he's gone, uh, his wife's two older sisters, you remember those uh, reneging bitches, uh, they okay. visit the mansion as they heard of what had befallen their younger sister and they wanted to see for themselves what was up. Uh, and when they walked through the mansion, they saw the luxuries that their younger sister enjoyed. And they were pretty shitty at themselves for not agreeing to the offer of the snake uh, earlier. Uh, and they pretty much went through the mansion and was bullied, essentially kind of bullying the little sister to show them all the, where all the cool shit was because they were envious of her position. Uh, these two girls are the worst. <laughs> I'll tell you what we've got a bit of we've got a bit of Cinderella we've got a bit of Jack and the Beanstalk here I'm trying to like I'm trying to pin this to something but it's just all over the shop isn't so it? many <laughs> so many references it's crazy um, and they went through the entire mansion until finally coming to the beautiful Chinese chest my beautiful Chinese chest and they were frothing to see what was inside such a wonderful piece of furniture. <laughs> Bet they were. <laughs> Uh, but the younger sister, remembering the warnings of her husband, denied her sisters, uh, saying that it was all locked up and she didn't know where the key was. Uh, truth was, though, that she kept the key hidden in her belt, uh, and uh, she'd be buggered if she was going to give it to those two moles uh, to access any whatever was inside. Uh, but the two old sisters uh, were a bit rough, they were a bit, a bit shovy, and uh, they started pushing around the younger sister, uh, demanding access to the chest. Uh, and then they... In a uh, weird, weird change, they just started tickling her. Uh, uh, that was her. That was her button. Okay. Yep, that's her kryptonite. Doesn't doesn't like a tickle. Uh, and her younger sister bumped into a wooden screen, as in like a wooden piece of furniture in the room. And the sound of the key inside the belt was heard hitting the wooden, uh, hitting, hitting the wood. Mm. Uh, so good ears on the uh, on the bitchy duo because they they were clued into it well quick, and uh, they took possession of the key. And the younger sister looked on in despair as her two sisters opened up the forbidden Chinese chest. Uh, and peering inside the beautiful chest, they found... Nothing. Yep. Wow. That was a bit underwhelming, to be honest. Well, the chest was empty. I know, right? You're just like... <laughs> Come on. Uh, the chest, how it was empty for all but a, a small cloud of smoke which wafted out and floated into the sky so like maybe like dried up jizz or something like that like a little bit that got, got left over some budusi just uh just i don't know dust dusted up either way it's probably not that's worth that, thinking about that's that stank air you were talking about they're, they're like oh you stanky bitch what were you guys doing in there what's this box for uh it's, it's why we lock it up girls <laughs> anyway, uh, after that uh, lackluster unveiling, uh, the two older sisters departed the scene and went back to where uh, where they where they live. Uh, probably giving the youngest uh, youngest sister some shit before just some extra bit of shit before exiting. We never want to see that stank box again, you dirty bitch. And the younger sister now waited alone in her mansion, uh, apart from all her maids and servants, of course. She's uh, inundated with them. At your service, madam. Uh, and counted the days until her husband's return. Uh, for seven days she waited, then 14 nights, and even after 21 days, there was still no sign of her husband. Uh, his loving wife was now uh, officially worried, 
Uh, and she so worried, in fact, that she decided that she would pack her bags and make the journey to the capital city, to the, its western district, and find the woman with the one-night gourd. One-night gourd. And we'll catch up with her travels uh, after this quick drinks break. Back in a tick. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed uh, your, little, your little break, wet the whistle, all that jazz. Recap. And so to recap, a woman washing the clothes of her master, a wealthy landowner, is set upon by a gigantic serpent uh, carrying a letter for her master. Uh, keen to be away from the location as soon as possible, uh, the servant woman hurries to her master and delivers the letter which he reads in front of his family. Uh, the serpent script demands that the wealthy landowner deliver his daughters and build a mansion, uh, which it won't be able to fit in anyway, uh, on the banks of a pond on the estate. Uh, all this the wealthy landowner must do or the snake will kill him and his wife. Uh, a pretty terrible position uh, the family finds themselves in. The landowner has three daughters, though, the first two stating that they could give zero fucks about uh, the dilemma and would rather die than go with the snake. Uh, the youngest daughter, who happened to be her parents' favourite, uh, does some stellar brown nosing and uh, claims that her own life is meaningless and that she will go with the snake to protect her parents. Uh, the daughter is presented and the mansion is built. And the youngest daughter waits by the banks of the pond until... Um, until night time, when the enormous serpent appears and gets uh, gets her to slice him up a bit. Um, after slicing the skin of the snake uh, with some nail clippers that she had, a beautiful and splendidly dressed young man steps out, and uh, the two spend the night wrapped in snake skin uh, inside a beautiful Chinese chest, because that is cool. Uh, the two are considered now married... <laughs> And happily until, uh, oh, sorry, and live happily until he spilt, uh, spills the beans that he was indeed originally the dragon prince and that he needs to duck off for a bit. And after receiving instructions on how long to wait for him uh, and how long and how to find him uh, via the woman in the capital with the one night gourd, uh, the bride is told to never open the beautiful Chinese box as it will make it impossible for him to return. Uh, pretty much as soon as he leaves, uh, his two, oh, sorry, her two oldest bitchy sisters come over and bully her into opening the said box. Uh, and un- it, it, it unfortunately is opened, uh, revealing nothing inside but a whiff of smoke. And after waiting the necessary amount of time for her husband to return, uh, his wife is now officially worried and prepares to head to the capital to obtain the one night gourd from the magic woman uh, so she can find her husband. Woo. And so with that, uh, let us continue. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say, can you imagine the um, the parents having to explain, it's like, oh, so what happened with you, your daughter and that snake? Oh, so she went and saw him and then she cut the snake open and then there was a prince inside and now they're married and they live in another house with all their servants. Sort of, oh, oh, that old chestnut. Yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> oh, that, that again. Oh, shit. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be that something happened to me too. <laughs> yeah, those bloody serpent men. <laughs> and the, the landowner's like, "Oh, I'm poor, by the way. The bloody snake took everything from me." Yeah, I'm uh, reduced to ruin, but at least my daughter's <laughs> living in a good house. 
Oh my god. Okay, well let's uh let's get in and we go the youngest sister now travels to the capital and ventured to its western section and found the magic woman who possessed the one night gourd. One night gourd. Uh, so pretty easy to find it seems. Uh no real city quest or anything like that, just <laughs> straight to it. Uh, and the magic gourd lady was like, uh, you seem like a pretty cool gal. I reckon you should take the one night gourd that I possess. Uh, it's pretty groovy. Uh, you'll see what it can do pretty soon. Uh, so another her- our story has our heroine, as in the uh, youngest daughter, uh, purchasing the gourd. But, uh, you know, it's a magic gourd. So, you know... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you'd, you'd wonder how how the lady is, how the magic lady is going to be giving up such a magic uh, magical item just like that. But uh, she's good, and just like that, she's gifted the magic gourd to help her find her husband. That seems a little uh, a little too easy. She just kind of <laughs> rocked up to the capital. She's like, "Does anyone know the gourd lady?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that way. Go see her." And she's like, "This this item that this woman is known for around town." She's like, "Yeah, here you go. You have it." I'm kind of getting sick of it anyway. She's like, "I'm fed up with this gourd. You bloody take it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too magic for me. It's it's like I do like a little bit of magic, but this is fucked over with magic. <laughs> no, nah, nah, you can have that. And she's like, "Oh, thanks. That was much easier than I thought." Oh, good. That was easy. Uh, and then, yeah. And anyway, the youngest daughter uh, plants the gourd and watches as the stem shoots towards the sky into the very heavens themselves. Um, so yeah, typical. You think Jack the Beanstalk right there? Um, but when I read it, I couldn't help but picture. Uh, if you've seen it, uh, Elliot or dear listeners, uh, the scene in Bob's Burgers where he drinks too much absinthe in the uh, the Thanksgiving kitchen and he trips out on that turkey dream for not. a bit. Oh man, it was uh, it's very uh, very trippy. Season three, episode five of Bob's Burgers. And I was just like, <laughs> anyone who's listening, they'll be like, what the fuck? Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I thought about that. It was very very weird. And that's a little history podcast recommendation. Uh, anyways, uh, she starts to climb the gourd and uh, towards the heavens. Uh, but as she does, she thinks of her family and is worried that she would never see them again. If she went up to the heavens, this would make her parents sad, and this made her sad because that's how she that's how she rolls. Um, a, a bit rich, wouldn't you think? <laughs> oh, parents. Oh, they'd be sad if I went up to heaven. Uh, but they were pretty okay with sending my ass off to a snake. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and also, like, the sisters, the two sisters be- like, give zero fucks about anybody. Like, as if, as if she care about her two sisters at this point. She'd be like, fuck those bitches. Uh, I'm out of this. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, I've I don't shitty. think this family has her welfare at the top of their priority <laughs> list at all, I would say. I don't think that no one really cares about her. So I'd be off to heaven too, to be honest. I bet, like, mum and dad are just like, all right, bye, have a good time. By the way, they opened some chests, so I don't think the husband's going to come back. We've got a mansion now. Sweet, let's take all this shit <laughs> Should back. we take that mansion <laughs> that we paid for? Yeah, I reckon we should. <laughs> um, and uh, despite everything that's been done to her by her own family, the youngest daughter feels a deep sadness at leaving her family and going to the heavens. And she sings a poem. Um, it's not very good, uh, but <laughs> quote: "I do not know if I will see him again, uh, his husband. But I am floating on the white clouds in the sky. What should I do now?" End quote. So, yeah, she's not the best poet, but it's sort of um, 
uh, encapsulates her uh, her woes. She's uncertainty, I guess. I was hoping leaving. you were going to sing that, Patrick. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's for the um, that's for the bonus the bonus bonus episode after hours episode. That's the Patreon Patreon subscription. <laughs> <is it? laughs> yeah, shit, I should start one of those. Fuck, uh, <laughs> it's on the to do list, people. Um, give me money later, not now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so not the greatest uh, poems uh, of all time, but you can kind of get an idea about where this girl is, um, where she's at. Uh, and so as she climbs, she passes through the clouds and is able to walk upon them. Uh, solid was its footing. Them clouds are good for walking. And she, uh, you know, she began walking in this strange new land and quickly came upon a nice man. Nice man. Uh, not quite sure how she discerned that he was nice uh, straight off the bat, uh, but he's wearing a white hunting robe and uh the younger sister asks where is the place of ame wakahiko ame wakahiko you know the guy with eight names uh she goes the nice robes bloke replies uh that he did not know but that soon someone will come and that she should ask him or her uh and the younger sister asked the man's name to which he replied i am the evening star the evening star uh, and then he chuffs off um, and uh, sure enough, the youngest sister came across a man carrying a broom and asking him the same questions. Uh, he replied that he knew not the whereabouts of Ame Wakahiko, but that she should ask someone else. Uh, this man called himself Broomstar. Or the Broomstar. The Broomstar. As in like a comet. So you kind of see where this is going. Like, I was going to say, that's probably, they've got like the janitor up there along with all the gods. He's like, no, nah, I just, I just clean stuff up. Yeah, I, just, I just work here, man. <laughs> that's above my pay grade and my level of fucks to give. Like, I do not care about anyone yeah. around here. I'm sweeping up. I'm in the heavens and I'm in the janitor. Back you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, how did this happen? Um, and so this happens a few times and the youngest sister begins to despair. Uh, then she saw a man sitting upon a wonderful column. And she's like, all right, I guess this can't hurt to ask again. It's a good bit of sick of it, but that's fine. And uh, she asks the column dude uh, about her husband. And he replies, quote, go forth. You will find a lovely house with a glass floor and walls like precious stone. Go there and say, I want to say something to Ame Wakahiko, end quote. So finally, she gets a bit of help. She's uh, she does she does that does his bidding and uh, finds the house that uh, that the man on the column described and indeed found her husband the dragon prince the heavenly young prince Amewakahiko who was visibly overjoyed to see his wife once more so it's it's nice it's a nice little reunion he didn't just like hit it and quit it or like anything like that tucked out for a pack of smokes never to come back he he was he was generally. Generally pretty happy, or genuinely so, pretty happy to see her. Uh, I was half expecting him to be like tying himself up in a new stake to do the whole prank again on someone else. <laughs> he's got his Chinese box there and he's like, oh, oh shit, I forgot about you. <laughs> she catches him zipping up the snake skin behind, behind his... Oh, hello, darling. What are you... Oh, oh, oh good you to see me. you again. Well, I shouldn't have told you my name. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's not like that, unfortunately. Uh, they told each other the three, uh, all of their deeds and their exploits, their troubles and their fears, and they reaffirmed their love for one another. And the dragon prince became sad and told his wife uh, he was worried for her now, uh, as she couldn't return down to earth, but now she wasn't safe up in the heavens. Uh, it was because of his father. Uh, the dragon prince's father was an oni, or devil, 
Like, uh, think like Shuten Doji. Shuten Doji. He's like a demon, ogre, devil thing. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's, he's an Oni in heaven. Uh, so we'll call him uh, Papa Oni, I guess. Oh, Papa Oni. Uh, anyways, uh, Papa Oni did not like humans, like at all. And he was on the lookout for any who managed to find a one-night gourd and climb up to the heavens. Uh, you know, just to, cause, just to see what was going on. Because that would happen a lot. People, <laughs> just, oh, what's up here? He's like, fucking humans. That's it. Um, Bloody humans coming up with their, with their one-night gourds. <laughs> told them not to. <laughs> Now you're going to feel some Papa Oni justice. Uh, but he's, he doesn't like humans uh, poking around up in heaven. Uh, and uh, the dragon prince, he hit his wife whenever Papa Oni came to visit. Uh, using his ma- his magic, uh, as in uh, Ame Wakahiko, he, using his own magic to turn it into items such as an armrest, a fan, a pillow, <laughs> just shit around the house, uh, just in the nick of time before Papa Oni uh, would discover her. Like there's one... Uh, there's one uh, one thing where he, he it's she gets turned into an armchair and Papa only sits on that and he's like mate oh I, I smell the flesh of humans up in this bitch uh, <laughs> and, oh it must have been nothing don't worry about it and Dragon Prince is like ah oh, bye dad thanks for stopping by whoo Jeez, that was lucky so dig like um, thanks for sitting on my wife for the next two hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably doing you know, dirty dad farts on her like just 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 getting ex- extra comfy she's like great i'm getting teabagged by my dad my father-in-law that's awesome uh fuck my life <laughs> but uh <laughs> one day though uh, see papa only's not a complete idiot because one day he comes by the house in secret because he's a sneaky oni Ooh, sneaky oni uh and he catches the couple asleep in bed with the wife in her human form. And he's like, Aha! I thought I was going crazy with that human earth people flesh smell, but I was right. Oh, fuck me, I was right. What the hell's going on here, son? Uh, You know I'm not a fan of humans. And uh, the dragon prince explains how she came to be here and pleads for her to stay with him. And Papa Oni's like, Ah, nah, mate. You done fucked up now, buddy. Uh, not only am I going to take your lovely little wife as my own, uh, because she's going to be my servant now as well, because uh, I don't have one. Um, you know, serves you right, mate. Uh, uh, you for trying to sneak that shit into my into into my 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 realm uh, and into your house, boy. That's not good at all. Uh, so he, so not only does he take her as his servant, he's got a little something else cooked up for her, uh, and he takes the poor woman and he goes, oi. I need you to herd a bunch of cattle over there. There's a thousand of them, by the way. Uh, you must put them out to pasture in the morning and bring them back. Then <laughs> bring them back to the barn for sleepy time in the evening. Uh, make it happen, or I'm going to give you the business. Like you're gonna, you're, you're not going to like what happens. So he's he's, he's now now toying with her. Um, so very much like the challenge, uh, dear listeners, that Baba Yaga issues Prince Ivan. Um, to uh, to to get that rad steed back in the Koshi the Deathless episode, episode eight in your catalog. Uh, very much like that. So he's like, man, I'm gonna give you an impossible task, bitch, because uh, I just don't like you. And if you don't, if you fail, I'm gonna kill you. Jeez, you know, I mean, she would have been better off as the armchair at this rate, to be honest. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, and our poor heroine had no idea how to herd cattle. Uh, so she went to her splendidly dressed husband, Ame Wakahiko, uh, to see what he could do. Uh, and Ame Wakahiko tears off some sleeves or some of his sleeves from his kimono. 
uh, and gave them to his wife and told her to wave the sleeves and say twice, the sleeves, quote, the sleeves of Ame Wakahiko, or something like that. It's like either the sleeves of Ame Wakahiko or just shout Ame Wakahiko's sleeves. It's basically his name and the sleeves and uh, ship will all be well, he says. Right, I mean... Theoretically, he's he's completely magic. He could probably just get the cows back, you know, with <laughs> a think. with a bit of a magic word. But he's like, hey, try this. This will be funny for me. Yeah, yeah. You got to think. Um, <laughs> you think that'll work? But like, you sh- you got to think that uh, Papa Odie's watching, going, mate, don't you fucking even look uh, like you're helping her out. True. Like, if he's ripping true, off his uh, if he, if he's ripping off his clothes, like, I, I, I don't know how that's getting past Puppy, but uh, it's it's doing it. It's doing it. Uh, Papa, Papa only doesn't seem to notice. Uh, and sure enough, uh, when she stood before the herd and waved the sleeves of her husband and repeated, the sleeves of Ami Wakahiko, the herd obeyed her with zero fuss and was put out to pasture and returned to the barn that evening. And Papa Oni saw uh, that the herd had been sorted out, uh, was pretty su- pretty surprised, uh, remarking that to accomplish such a thing requires the strength of a god. Um, so he was, you know, he was a bit like, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit weird, but that's all right. I've still got some more challenges for you, though, Dal. And uh, the next day he goes, I've got several thousand tons of rice that needs to be moved uh, from one storehouse to another for reasons uh you better do it uh and if there's even one grain of rice missing i'm gonna mess you up because uh, i'm an oni and i don't like you who yeah you human earth people remember so yeah get get cracking on that rice eh and uh she, again she's like oh fuck this is pretty shit um all right uh but she remembers how well the sleeves worked for the herd before and she waves them about and says the same stuff and a shit ton of ants uh come to her and carry the grains of rice oh. uh, from one storehouse to the other and papa oni at the end he comes and checks out and he counts that one grain of rice was missing and he's like what the hell is this <laughs> You trying to shortchange me or something, bitch? Uh, where is it? And she's like, oh, all right. She retraces her steps and she found one single ant who, unfortunately, its back had been broken by the grain of rice. Um, yeah, leaving it now paralyzed. Uh, yeah, leaving the now paralyzed ant to fend for itself. Uh, she takes the rice grain and puts <laughs> it on the pile, uh, completing her task. Not looking back once. Like, she's stone cold. Thanks for the help. Uh, sorry about the broken back. Just yeah, take that. <laughs> you're, you're fucked now. Like, say up. Um, and now you've got to think that Papa Oni, he's getting pretty fed up with this uh, human earth person's daughter-in-law, uh, you know, thwarting his attempts uh, <laughs> to fuck with her. Um, and he's, he's like, mate, this is pretty weird. Um, and you'd be right. Because uh, he's like, that's it. Uh, chuck this bitch in a storage room that has, like, 4,000, no, 5,000 centipedes in it uh, for seven days. Yeah, that'll surely do the job. <laughs> like he's, he's gone off the rails a little bit now with his uh, his plans. Yeah, he's just like, oh, what's, um, oh, what else have I got? I got some bugs. Can I do something with them? <laughs> yeah, put her in there, see what happens. Uh, got some cows. We could probably work them in. Just let them do stuff around it as well. Fuck, I'm running out of running out of ideas. Um, <laughs> and seeing that her husband's sleeves are doing the job. Uh, the she waves them about and says the same stuff about the sleeves and the centipedes don't bother her and after seven days the doors are opened and she was shown to still be alive 
pretty sure probably like starving, dehydrated, because there's no word if she got any food or water there. Um, Just eats the centipedes. Yep, covered yeah, in shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't imagine the room would be super spacious. He's not. He's not giving her the guest no. his own bed, the master bedroom to to hang out with bugs and centipedes and that. So she's probably looking pretty grim. Uh, but uh, I tell you what, Papa Oni's pretty super pissed by what's going on, and he tries the exact same thing. Uh, only this time, he chucks in a room full of snakes. But as you'd guess, the same result happens. So, like uh, biblical plagues, we got coming. Yeah, here, he's we? just airballing now. <laughs> he's just like, "Fuck, whatever." Just, just do. And she keeps coming out on top. So he's like, "All right." Uh, he's played all these cards now, Papa Oni, and our heroine, uh, the wife of Ame Wakahiko, because remember, she has no name. She's got no name. Uh, she's beating them, beating them all. She's succeeded every challenge. And Papa Oni's like, all right, you insufferable little mole. Uh, clearly, you and my son are connected by some strong force of destiny. Uh, you can live with my son uh, as before, but only one day a year. Now, I should say, uh, there's one, another story I've heard where... Uh, Papa Oni actually says that she can stay with him for one day a week and she like mishears him. She's like, oh, one day a year is it? He's like, oh, yeah, 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 definitely one day a year. One day a year. <laughs> That's what I meant, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a terrible negotiator. But she, she's just, <laughs> she just, down, just went up. to sleep. Just went to sleep at that at the pivotal moment. <laughs> but anyway, uh, after making this proclamation, the defeated Papa Oni throws uh, a watermelon into the sky. Uh, and when it broke apart, it became the celestial river, the Milky Way. Explanation of the world! Oh, I was always wondering yeah. how they got there. Yeah, exactly. Watermelons, guys. So you're going to create your own little uh, constellation. Or your... What's that called, actually? Do you know what it's called? Uh, nebula? I don't know. Galaxy? Yeah. All right, well, let's... I let's put space. Let's land it, do I? Uh, let's lay the challenge down, guys. Chuck watermelons up in the sky and see what happens. See what the prettiest, uh, prettiest uh, star formations you can come up with. I'm sure it'll work. And back to the story. Uh, the young people... So back to the story. The young people agreed to Papa Oni's terms. And the nameless young woman became the heavenly weaver. Or, as we know today, the star Vega. Vega. And Ame Wakahiko oh. became the star Altair. Altair. Well, Al, Al, yeah, Altair. A-L-T-A-I-R. Uh, and once a year, on the 7th of July, the couple would meet in the sky. Uh, and so this meeting culminates the, uh, the Tanabata, or Star Festival, celebrated in Japan. But it's something that sort of originated from, uh, from the Chinese, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Kixi Festival. Terrible. Q I X I. Sorry, sorry, China. Yeah. <laughs> Quixie, Quixie, Kixie. I don't know. Right. Then it's like, no, it's actually uh, Dag. <laughs> he was like, oh shit, I, I really, I really fucked <laughs> oh, of up. Of course it was. <laughs> Not um, even close. Exactly. And so that leaves us with the the heavenly couple uh, meeting together once uh, a year on the seventh of July in the sky, and that's is where we shall end our story. The tale of the wife. Of Ame Wakahiko. So, uh, what do you reckon, Elliot? Wow, I mean, I did not see it coming round about full circle there, to be honest. That's quite nice in there and quite sweet. Uh, all that happens up there is, you know, uh, foretold by this very strange... It's just, some of the times it's just like, oh, there's a watermelon. Yeah, chuck that up there, see what happens. Like, where did that come from? It was kind of on track. I was like, all right, I think I see where this is going. And then there's that, and then... No, it was... Uh, yeah, it certainly didn't stay in one place, did it? 
Yeah, no, it felt like um, it felt like they were like the writer or the 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 narrator was walking out onto a stage like a prop comedy thing and just been like, all right, what have I got here? We got a watermelon, we got a snakeskin, we got a chest, uh, I got a seed. Um, fuck it, bunch let's of millipedes. Just, <laughs> yeah, got some, got, got, got a bunch of centipedes. Fuck it, like let's do let's do this. <laughs> but I love how the younger sister's uh, family are just like terrible in like most ways. Just <laughs> they did everything to just fuck her over. Well, I mean, she technically got to become a god in the end. So, you know, all's well that ends well. True that. Yeah, I mean, like, they certainly weren't hanging out for her to come back, were they? And (laughs) shouldn't those sisters have got, like, punished in some way? They just kind of got away with it, shoved... And what was with the smoke? What, what, What was the point of that in the end? I think that you know, the, when you open the chest. Oh, I, I, I wasn't able to research that bit. I want to say that's probably uh, his essence that was tying him to, right. to Soul. Earth, something like that. Yeah, okay. his, his Earth spirit. So once that went out, uh, you know, chuffed off, he was like, ah, oh, shit, I can't turn back to that. Maybe he's like his, his Earth avatar or something like that. But yeah, okay. that was his okay. his uh, that was the thing keeping him there in the beautiful stank box. So uh, no more that no, no more of that for him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just it weird. Was. Uh, yeah, the whole there was a lot of weird things in the um, uh, in the story. Just like the weird demands at the beginning, like Snake rocks up. I'm going to kill you if you don't give me this one. Oh, by the way, we're in love, and then and then they just yeah. yeah and also they're fine. What is the point of pointing out that this place, the house, would have been too small for him anyway? It's like I'm that big. Yeah, that's <laughs> he's me. A, he's a dick. <laughs> he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> to make make the house bigger, like make it to your specific uh, specifications, like. Fuck. And then he's like, "Oh, oh, you don't, you don't have a sword with you. Sorry, I, I should have written that down, but you really should have bought a sword. <laughs> have you got anything? I mean, this is not going to work if you don't." Well, imagine if she had nothing, and he's just like, "Oh, shit!" Just like start, I don't know, tearing his own skin off or something like that. Like, oh. <laughs> Go back and get your sister. Maybe she'll yeah. have a sword. Yeah, man, give her the tools required to do the shit that you need, uh, mm. because she didn't know what was going on. Uh, no, oh. it was a real convoluted way of getting something very simple out of it, wasn't it? Very strange. <laughs> he could have just rocked up as a hot dude because uh, she was pretty, pretty, uh, yeah, pretty excited by him. She could have just met by the river. Yeah. Like, oh, actually, yeah, we should just, uh, we should just get married. Should I turn myself into a snake? No, you, you don't want me to. All right, I won't do that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but we wouldn't have the stank box, Elliot. We wouldn't have the stank box. That's if- true. That's true. That was the best part of the story. The snake skin was all the magic as well. That must have been what what did it, maybe. <laughs> Maybe that was the origin of those. Um, you know how in Japan they've got those like one-hour hotel rooms that you can get. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know of them. I know Never of know. them. And people are like, oh, like um, a lot of a lot of mates that I have that it's like, oh yeah, it's definitely for sexy time. Yeah, you're like no, nah, it's just for naps, isn't it? <laughs> just so people can go and have yeah, a nap. Yeah, you just you only want a two-hour nap. Only pay for a two-hour yeah. nap because there's no room for sexy time in those. Excuse me, what is sexy time? <laughs> little little coffins yeah, with, yeah. filled with essence and smoke. <laughs> <laughs> you open up and it's like, stank box, shit. No, I can't, I can't come back to Earth now, shit. <laughs> you never know. No, you never know, you never know. Ah, oh, beautiful. Well, uh, that actually wraps up the story, mate. Um, it's a, It actually went a little bit brief, or quicker than I thought, but, uh, mate, such is, the, uh, such is the fun times of these, these stories. It almost reads... Um, Almost more like a fairy tale, like like you'd normally like Jack and the Beanstalk, um, stuff like that. They uh, apparently there's a lot of comparisons between uh, Cupid and Psyche from the Greek and Roman mythology. 
um, where Psyche right. kind of does the same stuff. I I actually haven't really looked too deep into that one, but apparently a lot of um, like you know Psyche has to. Uh, perform a bunch of tasks for uh, Hera, I believe it is in this case. Um, I might, but might be wrong, guys. But uh, yeah, to to sort of hang out with Cupid in the end and, and reunite with her her husband. But yeah, a lot of yeah. uh, like if, if if this was like an extra story from Brothers Grimm or something like that, you'd be like, oh yeah, absolutely. This feels just like just like that loopy stuff. Yeah, definitely Jack and the Beanstalk vibes, but also, yeah, like Cinderella with the like wicked ah, stepsisters where she's yes. kind of like, getting pushed around a bit. Correct. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's probably a bit other... It's interesting how much it like links in. I don't really know much about mythology, so that was that was interesting for me, yeah. Well, I, I know... I, I, before doing starting the show, I didn't really know a lot about Japanese mythology and still still am quite a novice in it, but, mate, it's so rich and, and, and mm, beautiful mm. and just, just wacky, which is great. Anytime an Oni rocks up, I'm pretty excited because they're just, they're pretty ridiculous. <laughs> you know, you're going to get a good story. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're just going to uh, ask or do some really crazy shit. Like really over the top convoluted things that could be achieved much more simply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, we'll um, uh, I want to thank you, dear listener. Um, uh, and, and yourself, Elliot, for, for coming on today. I hope you enjoyed it. I, I, it's been a ball having you on. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's good fun. I need to do it again sometime, definitely. Absolutely. And uh, and, and for you, dear listeners, uh, if you haven't already, check out Elliot's show, uh, Anthology of Heroes. It is well-researched, well-presented, and it will be well-received. Uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, and as I said earlier, the links to uh, the show uh, will be in this episode's description, so treat yourself to a listen. Uh where it's into its fourth season now, uh, and there's a lot of awesome gems to get after, so... Make sure you definitely hit that up. Links in the description. Thanks very much. That's all for us here at A Little History. Please don't uh, forget, again, to demolish that like button. Uh, and if you're feeling frisky, give us a follow or a subscribe. Um, it really helps keep the show coming to you. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies or strangers who could fill any of those boxes. Uh, with uh, all independent podcasts, word of mouth is the, the main force of advertisement. Uh, so spread the word and good things will happen, I'm sure. Uh, but that's it for now, and uh, we'll catch you guys later. All right. Cheers, Elliot, and thank you, everyone. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. And there we go. Beautiful. Thank you for listening to A Little History. It is with a bit of sadness that I have to inform you that this episode will be the last episode released in 2022. This year has been a whopper, and we decided that in order to have each episode hit the same standard that you're used to, the team and I simply have to have a bit of a break. But do not fret, a little history is only taking a few months off and we'll be back in 2023 to finish off season two. In the meantime, if you need to scratch that historical itch, I personally would recommend listening to shows like Anthology of Heroes, The Cloak and Dagger Podcast, The Jammy History Podcast, and The History Boys. I personally listen to them all, and I can't get enough of them. Links in the description. Please still feel free to get in touch via a little history podcast at Gmail, or DM us at a little history podcast on Instagram or Facebook if you want to get in touch. Have a great rest of 2022, and expect to have new episodes of a little history podcast in your ears in 2023. Cheers.